I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 238 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast about video games. We're uh, still in all different places. Uh, Kevin had a whirlwind trip into town for ZapCon, April 21st, 22nd, Mesa Convention Center, Mesa, Arizona. Come to ZapCon <laughs> next year, everybody. All right. It's, it's different dates. It's in May next year. Nice. May ZapCons bring April showers. And you better put your games inside or they're going to get ruined. This year's ZapCon was, uh, fell on Earth Day and next year's falls on Cinco de Mayo. Both made up holidays for hippies. How do you? How far in advance do you decide when it's going to be? Uh, about a year and a half. We have to book the convention center. Huh. Okay. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. It went well. Uh, we continued on our trend of attendance and revenue being up about 15% year over year. Um, there were fun video games and uh, good beanbag chairs for people to sit on while they played Atari. The mini bosses played an acoustic set. It wasn't really an acoustic set though. They had an amp, they had amps and keyboards and stuff. But it they, was kind of the it was the jazzy bosses. It was the jazz version of their uh, nice. But it, they didn't make anything up, so I don't know if it was actually jazz. They also had two band members under the age of eighteen. <laughs> it was wait they've been around cool. for like ten years. Uh, did they start when they were ten? Or eight, I guess. They, well, they they weren't. It, this is not. There are basically no remaining original mini bosses members at this point, except for Aaron Burke, who's like the the sort of main guy, lead guitarist, and the guy who does all the arrangements. Okay. Um, the vocalist. This, yeah, the drummer. The drummer has two kids, one of which plays the bass and is just like a phenomenal bass player, even though he is like nine years old. Huh. He's and, he's uh, a little older than nine, I think. Is he? I don't know. I, I can't so. tell how old. Kids yeah, I are, can't man. either. I would have said like 13, maybe. Oh. His other kid is like. Yeah, I really can't tell how old kids are. Seven or eight, maybe, and was playing like a drum machine and was also really good. So. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so cool. Have they released an album of their uh, Jazzy Bosses stuff yet? They have not. Oh. oh. They totally should. That's a really good idea. They should record that. Well, I'll tell them. They could record at the show. Labor issues, getting all the kids in the studio. (laughs) I mean, I think that if they multi-tracked it, probably two of them could do all of it. Or one, yeah. I don't know that there's anyone who plays drums and guitar, though. So maybe it would need to be three people. Uh, Anyway, what was your standout memory from ZapCon, Kevin? Uh... Well, I mean, I mostly just not sleeping. I so this year I didn't have to print all the badges uh, by hand, so I thought, oh, that'll be great. I can come in a little bit later, and I won't have to be stressed out as much. But I, I forgot that like there's still a tremendous amount of uh, organizational stuff that has to happen. All the all the badges have to be organized uh, so that they can be picked up more readily, and then you have to make the spreadsheets with all the who's going to be there and what, what kind of badges they have and stuff like that. And just a bunch of stuff. So I ended up sleeping for like an hour and a half the first night and like three hours the second night that I was there. So it's that bad was... for you, buddy. Yep. It is bad for me. Crunch is, crunch is no good. That's true. That's what I keep Especially saying. when it's like volunteer labor for a nonprofit. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Well, that's more virtuous. That's more virtuous than just trying to put money in the pockets of big man. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that means at least when you die, you'll go to heaven. 
Yeah, yeah. That place and that then you I can look at the stat sheet to sure figure out how little exist. sleep you got on average. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yep. they, uh, we, we have built up a pretty good collection of fictional arcade games at this point. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, which is a feature that a feature that a lot of uh, game uh, conventions do not have. So um, wait, you mean like mock-up arcade cabinets? Nope. Like there's like a real playable. Yeah, there's a Paranoids. There's uh, yeah, Space Paranoids. Uh, st- somebody made the game from the last Starfighter. Huh. Yeah. Um, the what is it? And just like built the cabinet to to look like it. Uh, ben Baraldi, who yeah. was uh, used to be, yeah, was one of the founding members of the Minibosses also. Uh, he made, he, j- he just sort of learned Unity to make this game and then built a cabinet for it that is Triangle Wars, which appeared in The Simpsons. Like, it's a game that Bart is shown to play for a few seconds, and he just made the gameplay. He extrapolated the gameplay for it based on what you saw on the screen. Um, <laughs> and it's there are three buttons, and they're all triangles, and it plays kind of like asteroids you have a little ufo and the there's a button that thrusts out of the bottom of the ufo but then your gun fires at a 90 degree angle to the thrust so it's like a weird version of asteroids where you oh. you're you're firing out of the side of the ship instead of out of the that front that sounds hard it is uh, but it, i mean it makes it so the like gameplay can be pretty simple and still be pretty challenging uh, it was okay. a ton of fun the, like big triangles come in and then they like do Jim, what do you call it in a shmup where there's like a a preview of where a beam is gonna come out? And so it's basically like get out of the get out of the danger zone of this laser. Yeah. I is mean, there a name for that? Telegraphing maybe, telegraphed attacks is what I would probably call that. I don't think there's a term of art for it. So the triangles telegraph their attacks and then they but then they shoot it's not like a hit scan attack. Like they actually shoot projectiles. And so, yeah, it's a pretty good game. Uh, if you want to play it, you'll have to come to Zapcon. Or maybe Ben would just release it on itch or something. Or you could go to Ben's house. That's true. You could. He's nice. He'd probably play the accordion for you. Oh, he, he played the accordion for us on loadout. Oh, dang. I'm sorry. I missed that. Oh, you should have him stand near the, Triangle Wars machine and just play the background music for the game live for whoever's playing it. And he could just say that, yeah, things like simulated right. He simulated burn in. There is there is an <laughs> overlay on the screen that is burn in of the title screen. I thought that was a really clever <laughs> that's, touch. That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> so is the Polybius any is it similar to Jeff Minter's Polybius? I don't believe so. The VR one that just came out. Yeah. In that it is not like Tempest, no. And I just assume that everything that Jeff Minter makes is exactly like Tempest. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't think that I've actually played our Polybius because I don't want to die. Uh, be cursed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's remarkable that we continue to have more and more attendees, even though so many of them die from playing. Yeah, even though all of them die that play Polybius. You know <clears throat> Why doesn't somebody invent like the opposite of the tape from The Ring, where as long as you don't watch it, you just will never die? <laughs> I think that would cause Maybe all you can kinds just of... play it backwards. <laughs> that would cause all kinds of uh, overcrowding issues on the Earth, right? That's okay. Elon Musk will take us to the stars. 
We can build a space. We can build a space elevator out of people. <laughs> <laughs> a space human pyramid. <laughs> yeah. You just like hand the spaceship up until there's no gravity. Because I mean, you know, if you can't die, then you can, you know, you can't suffocate in space. Oh, that's true. So. Sure. I don't think that doesn't mean you can't suffer, though. I feel like that would probably be real bad. Yeah, but I mean, it'd be worse. Who do you think suffers more? The people who are in the vacuum of space, like just freezing and friends and relatives, uh, but unable to die, or they're people on the ground who are supporting the weight of. I mean, I guess that's the point: is that they're not supporting the weight once the pyramid gets tall enough, right? Because the top of the pyramid is like weightless. Well, no, there's the uh, the way a space elevator works is that there's basically like a moon on the end of it right that it's like a geosynchronous orbiting thing that keeps a cable taut so then you can just climb up the cable that'll is that'll there a vcr at the top because i'm gonna want to watch that tape pretty soon <laughs> <laughs> it like uh, if you uh, just look at the tape frame by frame wait no you can't look at v- it's video so it's actually magnetically encoded it's not like a film strip yeah you're just fucked are there not frames on a VHS tape? I don't know how magnetic encoding works. It's just like an analog signal that's like scratched into a wax VHS tape with a needle. <laughs> <laughs> and then... uh, so I actually don't know how signals are encoded onto magnetic tape, but my understanding is that video is a linear signal. Like uh, like like audio is it's just higher frequency. Aren't there keyframes though? You might describe it as very high frequency or ultra high frequency. Oh, UHF, <laughs> yeah, like that Weird Al movie. What have you been up to, Jim? Uh, so at at the Maid, there's a poster for The Sims Three, and it's that green gem thing that hovers above your above their heads. Which I think has a funny name, but I can't remember it right now. Um, and then it says June 2nd. It doesn't have a year, so I assume June 2nd is just Sims 3 day every year. Um, but that gem thing made me think of... Uh, and I tweeted about this recently. In the In the early 90s demo scene, there was an effect where you would, instead of rendering a 3D object uh, with solid colors with solid polygon you would render it with a translucent polygon um usually this was used to render like gems or things like that um and this effect was always called glens g-l-e-n-z for and i never thought to wonder like why was it called that or why have i never heard this word anywhere else uh and i just recently just it got into my head because of this poster to look up uh you know, try to figure out the etymology of this word. It t- turns out to derive from uh, the Swedish word for uh, glitter or glisten, or apparently in German it means shine or shimmer. Um, but, but it's it's basically, uh, I, I think glens is uh, the English phoneticization of how you uh, pronounce that word. So I thought that was a, a weird... Um, like insight into into my history there. It's called a plumb bob, 
by the way, is what they call that thing that floats over the sim. And I think Thank it's just you. because it's shaped like it's shaped like a plumb bob, which is a yeah. thing like a level for straight up and down. Okay. Like a little diamond shaped thing that hangs on the end of a string. That's also how a tilt uh, sensor works in a pinball machine. Um, there's like a cone that hangs with a ring around it. Uh, and if the ring, if the cone touches the ring, it completes a circuit that hmm. that uh, tilts. And you can adjust the tilt sensitivity by raising and lowering one of them, either the ring or the cone, uh, to make the ring intersect with the cone at a larger spot. Huh. That makes sense. That's really simple. It, is the is the thing in a pinball pinball machine that makes that knocking noise when you f- win a free game just a fucking hammer in there? That <laughs> yeah, slams into the side of the cabinet. That never fails to to freak me out. It, that yeah, it's scares real me startling every time it happens. It, yep. And there's like half of the things in a pinball machine have like a low DC voltage, and half of them are connected to just connected straight to one ten, uh, because like the Things that like catapult a ball out from below the board or whatever need a bunch of electricity to work. Um, so there's like two different circuits you have to disconnect if you're going to work on a pinball machine. Hmm. Yeah, this was like one of the, this was like the thing, aside from just it being dumb, the thing that made me not want to own an arcade cabinet was that like I would have to repair it periodically. And the thing everybody says about arcade cabinets is that, you know, if you touch them the wrong way, you die. So, no thanks. I mean, I think that's basically true of any CRT. Well, yes, and so don't do that either. Right. Well, luckily, they're almost impossible to find now, so. Yeah, I could I could just get a, a Robotron cabinet with an LCD screen. Yeah, I guess if you want to play a, some bullshit. Right. <laughs> we really need to build a Church of Robotron for Zapcon. I need to talk to the Church of Robotron people and see if they're cool with uh, get, sharing their plans with me. I told you guys about Church of Robotron, right? I don't yeah, remember I it. I saw it. They had it at uh, that XOXO I went to. Yeah. So I'll I'll describe it again just for the just for the sake of any listeners who don't remember or who weren't around the first time. They um they had basically set up this little room with a label that said the Church of Robotron, and what it is is a is I don't think it was an actual cabinet i think that it was just robotron playing on a tv with joysticks and you put on this helmet while you were doing it uh and there were all these speakers and lights around so that you were playing robotron but there was also just like this sensory cacophony going on around you that didn't really respond i think it was just random like it would just make there was a thing that would just bang on the helmet that you were wearing like pinball hammer style and just lights strobe lights and smoke machines and stuff and the idea was that i think it was just sort of creating an environment that really embodied the visual chaos of robotron right um it's pretty good anyway i want one of those at zapcon just so that there will be a lot of really loud noise in the chill lounge room (laughs) (laughs) what have you been up to riff Mm, not a lot. I played a little bit of a board game called um, The Seventh Continent. Have you heard of that? Yeah, that was like a, you could only get it from the Kickstarter, right? Like the guy the yeah. guy did the Kickstarter and then was like, hey, this doesn't make any sense to sell because it's like $200 worth of board game. 
Uh, <clears throat> that might be true. I don't remember for sure. But yeah, there was a second Kickstarter for it recently, which I bought into. It's a pretty good game. It's, How does it uh, work? It's, it's a sort of an exploration-y, choose-your-own-adventure-y kind of thing. It's your... Um, the the theme of it is that there's been a, there's been an ex, there's been another continent discovered on earth like next to antarctica or something and you've uh you were a member of the the first exploration crew and have now returned there in order to uh to try and cure a curse that you've that has befallen you and the the different curses that you can choose from uh, basically work out to the different scenarios that you play through in the game. Um, and so it's, it's a, it's a sort of a tile laying thing where like the, the tiles are the explored areas of the map that you, you flip over as you explore. And, uh, it's other, and besides that, it's a lot of, uh, it's, it's basically like playing a card based version of like a game book, like a choose your own adventure type game book. There's like a lot of uh, uh, everything. Everything basically runs on the same mechanic, which is a, a skill check where you have a your deck of cards that uh, that uh, that represents both your life and also like your sort of general time limit. And so every uh, every skill check you do tells you a minimum number of cards you have to draw from that deck and then a target number that you have to beat and the the cards in the deck have uh a small number of stars and and in some cases like half stars on them and you have to you have to get an, enough stars in the cards that you draw to to match or beat the target number for the skill check uh, so it has this like pressure luck mechanic where, uh, like, because the the number of cards it tells you to draw is always a minimum number, you can always draw more if you want to to make it more likely that you'll beat the target number. But that's basically your hit points that you're spending to do that. Hmm. Uh, because what once all the cards go into the discard pile then you you start just drawing from the discard pile instead but there are there are a number of curse cards uh in the deck that when you just draw them from the deck normally they don't do anything but if you draw one from the discard pile because you've run out of deck then you lose the game ah, so, I see. so like so that's 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 your time limit um and uh is there anything that you can do to get cards back into your deck? Yeah, like if you if you go hunting or fishing and find food that will that will return cards to your deck and and presumably there there's other stuff like that. Um but yeah, it, it does a lot of interesting things with like um cuz there'll there's a bunch of there you get this like this massive tray of of numbered cards and so there's a lot of like pre-programmed story stuff like like the um uh, i i played through the curse that it that well i played through the first part of the curse that it uh that it suggested you start with as a new player and so it the the first tile the first land tile that you put down is a specific number and the uh 
and it gives you other specific numbered cards to, to lay down like north, south, east, west of it as you explore those areas. So you're building like you're you're revealing a a a, 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 a an authored continent. It's it's not just randomly generated, um, but there are situations and choices that you can make that that change um your results in the way that like a choose your own adventure book might like uh, let me give like an actual example like um uh well let me give it let me make up a fake example that won't spoil anything um say like uh say like you find a quest item that is like an oil can say right and and that's a that's a thing that goes into your inventory, like your quest items inventory, which is unlimited, and and you just hang on to it. And that might have like a little blue banner across the top of it that has uh, an icon on it, and and maybe it says like plus five, right? And so as you're going through these cards, eventually you get to a part of this island where you find a door. And there's like a strength skill check to open the door. And if you succeed, it, it says the draw card number 200 if you succeed. Um, but if that that might have a little blue banner on it with an icon. And since you have the matching oil, the oil can card that has the matching icon, you can add the five and instead draw card number 205. So that gives you the the different result where you have oiled the hinges or whatever, so that the the noise doesn't wake up the monster or whatever. This so feels it, like it, it should be a video game. <laughs> I it is it's it's a little bit fiddly because you you do have this like this huge like card catalog drawer of of cards and you have to flip through and find number two hundred and forty or whatever, but. Uh, uh, it would work well as a video game, but I don't know. The, the sort of tactileness of it is pleasing. And uh, the mechanics aren't, like, uh, uh, complex. Like, it's a, little, it's a little intimidating at first because it looks like there's a whole fucking ton of icons. But once, you, once you've, like, read through it and, and seen how it works, it turns out that all those different icons are just, like, like this is a strength skill check instead of a climbing skill check instead of a swimming skill check, but all those skill checks are exactly the same mechanic. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, it's cool. It's uh, it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of story in it. It's pretty it's pretty neat. I don't. What I feel would it like mean it probably to not play it by yourself. Uh, if you're not playing it by yourself, then uh. Every player has a slightly more limited uh, inventory and you get to, there's no, it's entirely um, cooperative. So you, you're not like fighting for resources or anything, but uh, you, e each turn you like decide who's going to take the next turn so that it, you don't have to strictly play round robin around the table hmm. um, in case there's like, if there's like one guy who on the corner of the island that he's exploring has found a thing that's going to take a number of checks to resolve, then you can let that guy have three turns in a row uh, without it being a problem. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, 
playing it with multiple people is essentially just the same as playing it with one person, except you're dividing out the labor. When the game is over, do you just have to sort all the cards back into the card catalog? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it it has actually it has a neat sort of a save system. It has it has a bunch of uh, of of uh, well, I guess index cards, but they're not you know they're not like index cards. They're like actually printed cards, but but cards that uh, that you can use to. Uh, uh, to pile up all the cards you've used in the game and organize them so that you can put them back in the box and the next time you play you can you can take them out and go okay this was my inventory this was the cards on my map without hmm. uh without having uh gotten everything mixed up so it's cool it's pretty well thought out i i don't know if uh like it once you've once you've solved a particular adventure i don't know if there's a lot of replay value it seemed like maybe some of the some of the events and stuff that happen have multiple versions of them that can happen because there are like uh there there are a bunch of different numbers that have multiple cards of that number and when that happens you're supposed to just draw one of them at random uh, gotcha. so i guess there there are variations of things that can happen uh but i don't know if i don't know if the important things have variations or not so it might it might be that once you've gotten all the way through a story, there's not a lot left to see. But it seems like the at least the base set comes with, I think, four or possibly six stories. So uh, it it, uh, it it seems like a pretty good value for the box. And they've got some like expansion sets that offer new ones and so on. Of course, I wonder from like a design design standpoint if this game would exist if it weren't for video games if this like it, it seems to me like the designer probably played a bunch of adventure games and liked them and wanted to make a board game yeah or like it's like this is cool i can make one of these except i don't know how to code but i have all these cards right i could definitely see that kind of thing happening right or even just like you know the, the guy loves filing systems yeah it's a librarian. <clears throat> Kevin, I'm assuming that you haven't done anything fun or interesting that I didn't already know about. Not at all. I slept uh, like 12 straight hours when I got back to San Francisco. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, I guess since the last show, I also uh, I went and saw a double feature of Super Troopers and Super Troopers 2. Oh. Um, so couple couple things that were remarkable like i have not liked any movie that those guys have put out since super troopers super troopers 2 was pretty good i thought it was like maybe not quite as good as the first one but it did some things right that i think the first one kind of did wrong um hmm. the first movie weirdly pretty well holds up in terms of like it's from like 2000 but it isn't just like casually homophobic and just like it doesn't feel dated in a bad way like a lot of that uh, a lot of that era does kind of now um one of the problems that i always had with the first movie and with like office space uh and idiocracy or whatever is that they're really funny when they are just sort of uh i think in the uh 
in Save the Cat, the guy that wrote the screenwriting guide, described the section of the movie that's just having fun with the promise of the premise. Uh, and so, like, Office Space is great during the time between when he loses his memory and then when they remember that they have to start telling his story again, right? And then it just, like, everybody just stops watching it at that point. And Super Troopers was kind of like that because it's like, ah, cops fucking around having fun and being goofy. And then, you know, at the end, there's like, oh, a conspiracy that they have to solve. This this movie does a couple things better. The sequel does a couple things better with that in that that section of the movie happens much later. And they go out of their way to make all of the other parts of it actually funny. Like, there's not... like. The the cops in the first movie that were, like, their antagonists weren't, they were just dicks, and that was kind of all that was true about them. They were, they were just sort of like the, I don't know, like the hillbillies in the diner in Dumb and Dumber that are just, like, mean to them, you know? And in this one, the, the, the opposing force of, of police, the opposing, no, it's, it was Blue Shift is police, opposing force is army, uh, the 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 antagonists are themselves likable and funny and the scenes with just them are fun and the villain is also like just sort of ridiculous mm-hmm. um and yeah i don't know it was good if you liked super troopers you will definitely like super troopers too even if you didn't like club dread or beer fest uh it has a 35% on rotten tomatoes but like when i looked it was like a 65% user rating apparently the first super troopers has a 35 percent on rotten tomatoes but like a 90 percent user rating which is it would be interesting to sort i bet you can on rotten tomatoes it would be interesting to sort by the differential between those two things to see what movies are the most like fan, fan beloved yeah c- critically critically despised so i i don't remember if i've seen super troopers is that the one it's like an episode of cops but with stormtroopers no okay then i haven't it's about cops so you probably just decided you didn't want to watch it uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh no it's about a bunch of highway patrol guys who are just sort of like 20 something stoners who just mess with the people that they pull over that sounds like a pretty fun premise it's worth it's worth watching um yeah, so anyway, Super Troopers 2. Go see it. Is it a wide release? I believe it is at this point, yeah. Came out on 420, dude. <laughs> like Labo. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did anybody get a Labo? I, I did. don't think so. I watched some videos of it. It looked a lot more labor-intensive than I was expect- expecting it to be. What's your well, experience yeah, of it, Riff? Have you played with it yet? 80% labor-intensive. Yeah. I, I, I initially, like, like I didn't pre-order it. I, I, I decided it... I, I made the decision that this I did not need more cardboard in my apartment. But when it came out, everybody on Twitter was having so much fun with it, I ordered it. And I guess Amazon had enough of them that they were able to get it to me with usual Amazon timing. So I've, I've, I've messed around with it a little bit. What'd you build? I built the, uh, the, the first thing, the, the little 
vibrating toothbrush style RC car. And I, I started the fishing pole, but I'm only like a quarter done with it. Is it sort of Lego style instructions it, to build stuff or? Yeah, it's there. The instructions are actually really well done. They're like a video uh, of uh, not like live video, but like, you know, a video of these animated cardboard pieces folding around on themselves. But the way it's set up, um, the video only runs while you're holding down the button. Like if you're not holding down the button, it's automatically paused. So when you put the controller down to make the fold, it's showing you, it just waits for you. And while it's paused like that, you can, um, you can swipe the screen to rotate the camera around so you can get a different view of the, the thing you're building if you need it. So that was, that's pretty thoughtful and cool. And, and the, just generally they're, they seem like really well thought out and well engineered pieces. They're like real structurally sound and all. Um, and it, it, it surprisingly, it, uh, I haven't seen like the full expanse of this cause I've only, I've only really messed around with the, the goofy radio control car thing. Uh, but they, um, like they, they go really deep into like the guts of, how this thing works because like the the radio control card the the controller for it is like the tablet and then the two joy cons are the the vibrations that you clip you you clip the joy cons to your cardboard car thing and the vibration of the joy cons is what makes it move and but the um you're holding the tablet as a controller and it's got this extra button in the middle that you can push and it does like it, it makes it look like the front of the controller is opening and you're, you're seeing like the circuit boards and guts inside. And it has like these two sliders that you can move that, that directly change the frequency that the joy cons are vibrating at. So you can, you can like live adjust the, the force that it's using to drive it with. And it like exposes the, uh, a little screen of what the IR sensor on the right joy con is seeing and so on. And, uh, there's sort of like, like, the, like a camera, like an IR camera kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is what it is. Huh. Um, and there's like these, there's like little, um, sort of dialogues you get with these little cartoon character inventor guys that like describe how these things work and, and go in a little more in depth in, uh, in like, like what the mechanical function and, and, and how, how these things operate. And there, it comes with a mode, um, uh, like a, a, a different mode. That's like sort of like a node based programming thing. Cause they're like encouraging you to not just, not just build the things in the box, but also to, uh, and and not just to uh, modify and experiment with those, but to just fully make your own inventions. It gives you like a, a screen where you can set up like input nodes and output nodes. So you can just program like if I push such and such button on the left Joy-Con, then make the right Joy-Con vibrate at such and such frequency. Or if I rotate this Joy-Con, then make this bit of the screen light up. So you could conceivably, with a little bit of cleverness and some more cardboard and stuff, make your own, uh, make your own toys out of this. Can you make your own Wario mini games? 
it does not seem to be that elaborate yet, but it, it certainly seems like they could implement that with further updates. Yeah. Like yeah. they would need some kind of like graphics engine that it doesn't, it doesn't have yet right now. It's just lines and boxes. Um, but, uh, uh, if if they decide to go in that direction, they definitely could produce some kind of elaborate, like straight up engineering system. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's rife with possibilities. Gosh, <laughs> yeah, I saw a um a, a video of someone who had programmed uh the they had set it up so that there was the, one of the IR cameras was pointing downwards into a hat, and they were throwing playing cards into the hat. Um, and I don't know if they'd put like, like IR stickers on the cards, but the switch was counting the number of cards they had successfully gotten into the hat. I don't, I I would not buy that there were IR stickers on that, on the cards because they came in at such different weird angles, right? Like it seems like it just had to notice a change in the. Right. Okay. Visual field or something. Yeah. It might. It might be that the cards were like bright enough white that it could detect it from the background. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The the reason. The reason that came to mind for me was that I was watching uh, somebody put together the piano. Um, and the piano works purely via like the IR. Um, there's an IR camera looking at the back of all the keys, and the back of all the keys have one of those stickers on them. Uh, and so it's just looking for motion. They make a point. They make a point in the uh, RC car bit that like if you if you run out of like the the IR stickers, you can use just like reflective bike tape. Oh, nice. Yeah. Will also work. So. Hmm. Are they looking pretty cool for a specific pattern or is it just a position position based thing in the piano? Like is there is the reflective tape? Does it have symbols on it? I guess is my question. I suspect. Uh, I don't think so. I, I suspect I in that case any, they're looking for like twelve dots case. in a row and watching for which ones move. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, did you play any? Did you play any other video games, Riff? Um, no. I started. I started my all whoopers run of Pokemon. Other than that, <laughs> no. <laughs> How do you uh, how do you do that? Because don't you have to choose a Pokemon from Doctor Wily at the beginning? Yeah, uh, I I also had to trade my uh, my customized my custom bred Whoopers from the game I bred them in into this new game. So I just I got that the first guy you start with, and then caught like twelve rats and Pidgeys, and then use the use those to uh to trade for my guys people I will see. take so you're a doing Pidgey this... in exchange for a whooper yeah it was a pretty good trade <laughs> <laughs> uh so i mean what is so did you have to have perfect ones because otherwise it would not be a viable team yeah pr- pretty much uh, un- the, unfortunately it, i may end up uh i may end up screwed anyway because my original plan okay so there's a uh, there's a mechanic in pokemon where a pokemon that is traded into your game from another game uh gets faster experience gains like as a as a fun bonus but also to keep it from wrecking your game and making it too easy 
there are level caps based on how many of the bosses you in the game that you've beaten. So like before you beat the the first island in the new game, then any Pokemon that levels up past level 20 will stop paying attention to you and like not fight the way you want it to fight. Oh no. <laughs> and and my original plan was to uh because see, and the problem with these whoopers is that because they're kind of weak and kind of fragile, I was, I figured like, uh, I'll just, if I run into a problem in the late game, I can just grind up levels real high and that'll be fine. But the level cap makes that potentially impossible. But I figured I could maybe, I, I've got a thing like, um, like the old Game Genie or the action replay thing for 3DS carts that lets you save backups of your save games and also edit them. So I figured maybe I could just edit these whoopers so that the game I'm playing would think they were native whoopers instead of traded. But it turned out that hack does not work. So, <laughs> so, so I'm stuck with these. I'm, I'm stuck with my guys believing, well, believing the truth, which is that they are traded whoopers, which means I can't power level them to make the game easier. And and not only that, I have to be extremely cautious about letting them level because because they're traded, they level faster naturally. And if they if they out level the the cap before I've beaten the next boss, then I just lose because they'll stop fighting. What is what do the whoopers do? Well, it they depends whoop. on uh they, they these whoop, are all specialized they, weird whoopers though. They've all they've got all yeah, sorts of I've, different I've, skills and stuff. I've yeah, I've I've bred different skills into them. I, I actually na I named them after the four the four horsemen of the apocalypse and then added two more which were Flood and Sleepy. Yeah, Sleepy um, was the one that confused me. <laughs> yeah, the 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 trick about him is that he has a skill that can put opposing Pokemon to sleep and he also has a skill that can put himself to sleep to, to heal all the damage on him and then he has another skill that can let him use a random one of his moves while he's asleep to potentially still attack and then his fourth move is just a damage dealing move so I can put him to sleep to heal him and then have a one in four chance of successfully still attacking while he's asleep recovering from that which is not super useful, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Could he also? But yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I have I have nothing else of interest to say on this. <laughs> but that was, that was pretty much the only game I played. That and Labo. Um, I have not played much in the way of new games. Uh, I did pick up um i went back to this old tower defense game that you actually turned me on to i think is that called the creeps uh it's like an ios maybe maybe android it's old enough that they might have ported it to other stuff um and it's a pretty fun tower defense game by itself it's sort of themed like uh random household objects that you're using to fight off monsters that are uh coming out of your closet and attacking you you in your bedroom uh, like a little kid and there's a puzzle pack that they came out with I guess late in development that I had not seen before 
um, that's sort of pirate themed. Uh, and they change, they kind of fundamentally change a bunch of the rules about how the game plays in it. Because up to that point, the all the um, monsters followed a particular path. But there's a bunch of levels in this pack where there is no path. It's just sort of AI pathfinding. And you kind of can build a a maze of towers that they have to navigate, um, which is a, a sort of a more fun version of the tower defense genre that I've enjoyed in the past. Um, one of one of my favorite ones was a uh, Geo Defense Swarm, another game that Zach turned me on to, where the more or less the fields are all empty and you're building the sort of the you are building mazes of towers that the enemy has to traverse, and you can um, you can even sometimes like sell a tower to open up a secondary path and then block off the first path and sort of juggle. Uh, the creep sort of between the two, um, which is kind of a, a fun um, way of approaching those games. Um, but that's about all I've been playing. Um, the the creeps is interesting. The the fact that, that it has levels where you get to define the path is interesting because of the sort of like fundamental thing that differentiates the creeps from other tower defense games is that around the path there are all of these just sort of inanimate objects. Right, that, you that have, have various sizes on the grid break that up. you can target with your towers to break and you get money for breaking them, which you can use to build more towers. Uh, and so there's a lot of like deciding when to focus your fire on those and let the creeps go past or like, you know, building a gun that's kind of out in the middle of nowhere that can only shoot those things so that yeah. you can like be shooting them constantly. The ones that are more distant while the while your other guns are taking care of the creeps. Um and that dramatically changes the character of a game where you're determining their path because you're altering the geometry all the time whether you're building towers or not. Right. Yeah, it's a uh, it's really clever. I like I like it quite a bit. And this this really sort of changed up the the basic formula of the game in in a pleasing and, and interesting way. Yeah, it's pretty good. How about you, Zach? What have you been playing? So I played a couple of new games that I didn't like at all. I can briefly tell you why I didn't like them. Um, I bought uh, this morning, because people were talking about it on podcasts, a game on Steam called Swords of Ditto, which I is... I saw an ad for that. <clears throat> as the premise is, it's, it, looks, it looks a little bit like it'll do. I really like the art. I really like the way that it, that it, that it looks. Um, th- the premise is that you have like a Zelda overworld that is procedurally generated... Uh, sort of rogue legacy style kind of with just like different shapes and sizes of rooms with different exits on it and then dungeons that are also procedurally generated and when you die it's sort of you keep some of your power-ups but it basically re-rolls the world and you start over um but and, and it just plays like zelda you know you get different you know you need bombs and arrows and just different different ways of dealing with threats and stuff but i just cannot stand the way that it feels to play like you move too slow the the point at which your sword makes contact with enemies is not at all clear and it just Mm. feels real floaty and indistinct and like just it feels bad to play to me and uh yeah it really stinks like there's there's also just a bunch of like the the slowness of the walking around is also compounded by the fact that every time there's like a scripted event or every time like your attention is drawn to something or every time you see a little animation play, it just feels like there's twice as much dead time in all of that. Like 
it doesn't give you control back as early as it could. And I just constantly felt like I was waiting for stuff to happen without me being able to to do anything. And yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to play it anymore. Um, That's too bad. I also got the, and this was just, I'd backed this on Kickstarter years ago, but the harebrained schemes, the uh, the people Battle that made Tech. the Shadowrun PC RPGs, yeah, Battletech. And uh, I also don't, I played like a couple of missions and I don't think I'm going to play it anymore either. It's, um, is it the same it's Shadowrun very, engine? It's very different. I think it is, but it plays very differently. There's okay. no, there's, it is only the tactical battles, right? I mean, the Shadowrun games are, to be fair, mostly those, uh, but there's still some like running around solving puzzles and stuff. This is only battles. It's a very meaningfully 3D environment that you're moving around in with like line of sight and for, you know, you can shoot missiles that are sort of like mortars that you don't have to be able to get over hill, but you like, you can't shoot lasers through the ground and stuff. Um, I am just profoundly and fundamentally confused by the basic mechanics of the game and it does a very bad job of tutorializing them it every people who like the original battletech pen and paper game are describing this as a very good distillation of the rules down to something that beginners can understand but i guess i'm way sub beginner on that because just like i don't even exactly understand how the turn order works it's like every time you every time it's your turn which i think it just alternates between you and the enemies you get to pick one of your people on your squad to perform an action with but sometimes all of their abilities are grayed out and i don't know what that means like i don't like sometimes you can just like move twice in a row maybe once you shoot you have to spend a turn resting or something i i like there are just these real basic things about the way the game works that I just don't... I, I find the whole thing just very sort of frustrating and confusing and overwhelming. In the original Battletech computer game that I played, the Crescent Hawks Inception, there was a lot of heat management. I don't know if that... Means that is a separate system. That's not okay. this. Huh. That is t- sort of tutorialized like you... It's like, oh no, you generated a lot of heat. You better go into the water. Uh to 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 vent some of that and you know you do but it's like the tutorial shows you all of the different kinds of actions that you can take right like shooting versus moving versus like running but it does it by behind the scenes like selecting it from an action bar that it never tells you about it's just like it decides what left clicking means as opposed to telling you how to make left clicking mean that thing. Oh, that weird. one was not that hard to figure out, but it's just like, it's the, the, it's very, very inadequately tutorialized, you know? And it's a thing where it's like, well, I, I if this was an, a game from the nineties, which is kind of what it feels like, I would just look at the manual, but there is not one. Maybe there is one in game that it also didn't tell me about. Um, but yeah, I was, yeah, you know, I like I like to support that company because the Shadowrun games that they made are real good and there's not that many people making RPGs. Uh, but I'm pretty I don't know, pretty pretty disappointed in it. Uh the only other thing besides Triangle Wars that I had written down. I mean, I've been obviously continuing to play a ton of Hearthstone. Uh, but 
I played the new Philip Stolenmeyer phone game, which is called Super Type. Oh, yeah. Oh, did that, that come tra- out? I haven't played that, but the trailer looks amazing. Yeah, it came out yesterday. It's, oh, wow. It's real good. Um, so, yeah, it's Philip Stolenmeyer is the guy who made uh, Hamburger or Hamburger Flip or Pancake Flip or Pancake. I don't remember which one it was called. Uh, I think it might just be called Pancake. Uh, so. v- and, real and- simple flip flop or something tip top tip zip zap maybe oh zip zap yeah 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 Yeah, and this one this game is a lot more like zip zap in that it's just a bunch of puzzle levels that are all he just makes these sort of physics based puzzle things or like in the case of pancake and burger they're like dexterity challenges um but you basically you type something into a space that's allocated and then when you're done it just makes those letters as objects that are that are subject to the physics of the level and so it's like the the demo video just had this kind of clever thing where you like type an m and an i and when they drop the m catches on a post and swings around and golfs the dot from the i into the goal um so it's just stuff like that. It's like figuring out what letters are going to do if they once they're dropped and like figuring out what combinations of things to do to like achieve the goal of the level, which is always basically either like hit these two spots on the on the on the playfield or hit all of these spots on the playfield at the same time. Um, That's cool. And then some levels, instead of typing, you're actually like drawing a line that the letters will interact with. And those, I think, are largely there to sort of teach you the different sorts of tricks that you can do with different letters that then become valuable to you in later levels when you're trying to figure out how to do something weird. Um, yeah, it's really great. good. I really like it. And what's that called again? Super type. Super type. What about you, Jim? Um, well, I'm looking forward to when super type comes to Android. <laughs> uh, I played... Um, a game called Part-Time UFO um, by HAL Laboratories. Um, and this is a, a phone game kind of structured like uh, clearly inspired by like physics-driven games like Angry Birds um, where you you fly around a, uh, a UFO and you try to... Um, the physics puzzles it's given me so far are, are really... The goals it gives you are really simple. Like you're trying to get um a certain number of objects into a certain space on the uh on the map so like you're trying to get like crates of oranges into a truck for example um but then it gives you bonuses for things like making sure all the crates are right side up or instead of just dumping everything into the truck put like the basket right side up in the truck and then the oranges in the basket um and then there's one for like building a Grecian temple where you can like just dump all the pieces onto the platform and that counts as success. But if you get them all <laughs> oriented properly, then then you get bonus points. And so that's it's kind of fun. It's also like kind of frustrating. Like they give you um like a virtual joystick and a button to control this thing. There's also an option where you can drag your finger around to control it and then tap to to um to grab, but they're both kind of shitty control schemes. They're both kind of frustrating. Um, and I played um, uh, Human Resource Machine, 
which is uh, by uh, Tomorrowland, I think, or Tomorrow Corporation. Yeah. Uh, which is a follow-up. Not really a follow-up, but like sort of a follow-up to A Little Inferno. Uh, and this is a... Yeah, I feel uh, like it's set in the same world as Little Inferno, but it's not... It's yeah, not seemingly. Really yeah. Um, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a like a simplified Zachtronics game. It yeah. it is. It's a programming game. So um, you you get um, a stream of numbers coming in, and then you're supposed to use it to generate a stream of numbers coming out, and they give you some scratch space to work with, and like here's a list of commands you can execute, operations you can execute on the numbers you're holding or whatnot, um, and it's all like themed very cutely. Like you see your little dude running around executing your commands with little, with good animations and particle effects. Um, and, uh, it's kind of fun, but it's also like, this is programming with none of the niceties that make programming like more than a, more than like 10 lines of assembly, uh, something a human can actually do reasonably. Like you're basically writing assembly code, and you you do technically get um, comments, and like you can name give names to your scratch space, um, but only a few instructions will fit on the screen at once, and like there's no um, like there's no subroutines, so all it's it's. A longer program is just like uh, you see little arcs going from the jump command to the jump destination. the The screen is just a maze of those for any size of program. And so, like, I'm like halfway through the campaign, and it's been fun so far. But I'm looking up at the top at like, okay, okay, they want me to implement like bubble sort or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's gonna be a fucking nightmare. In like, I could do it in like three lines of C or whatever. Uh, but it's going to be a fucking nightmare to do it with this interface. Um, yeah, that was what that was what made me bounce off of it too. I got to the point where it was like getting really tedious to actually use the tools that I was being given to do the thing, even though I understood how to do it. Right. And also, like, if you compare this to something like, like, so it, it's kind of like the difference between TIS one hundred and Shenzhen IO, where TIS one hundred gives you like implement this algorithm. Uh, with basically no theming, it's like you're implementing, you know, this the functions in the, in the C API. You know, you're implementing like string manipulation functions or what have you. Um, whereas in Shenzhen IO, like all the, the the projects you're given are actually they have really fun themes, and you're you're building a product that is mm, yeah. going to service people in some way or at least amuse them. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. That's actually a really good a really good like showcase of of why good theming and presentation is important. <laughs> is, yeah, yeah. Seeing the difference between these two otherwise very similar things. Yep, I agree. Yeah, that's that's I uh, think you guys are going to love their I think you guys are going to love the next Zectronics game. Yeah. I don't know anything about oh, it. Do you have an in, do you have an inside scoop about that or something? Yeah, I can't. You know, we can't say. But no, no. Yeah, of course you can't say. I, it's gonna I'm be good. Just wondering yeah. if you if you ran into. Yeah, no, no. We I, we it. we spent a lot of time with Zach at GDC this year. Nice. Yeah, that's about that's about it for me for exciting. new stuff. I um, you know what I just realized? I forgot to play the assignment. 
I was, I was wondering uh, why you weren't in the list of, of friends who have played this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I tried to play it, but it it uh, it. It, 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 I ran into a couple of severe obstacles. <laughs> the <laughs> tell, the tell first one that, being that, that well, the, the first problem I had is that there's no way to uh, increase the resolution or, or screen size of it. And my mm-hmm. monitor is, is real big and high resolution. So I, my only choice was to play it on this tiny rectangle about two inches tall and six inches wide. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, a problem. And, and so the text, like, was just on the border of needing a magnifying glass to read it. Uh, and the, the other problem is that you, there's no key config and the controls are, are a and D for left and right and W to jump and fuck. That's the worst. That's the worst control layout I've ever yeah, seen. I mean, it's, it's just WASD with a 2d side scrolling platformer, right? It's, like it's, it, it's not it's, that bad. I mean, jump on the W on WASD is not normal, <laughs> and and having having all the controls being on my left hand is not good. <laughs> yeah, my my screen. Uh, I tried isn't, for a, is... I tried for a while to play it right-handed, but it's it still wasn't great. Yeah, my screen isn't as high res as that, but I did just break my glasses a few days ago, so I was in a similar situation where I was oh, kind of just no, like. Jim. Well, I'll I'll be fine. I'm getting I'm not getting a replacement, but I've got an appointment on Friday. Um, but yeah, I, I was having to to squint to like, and there's a lot of tiny text in this game. Yeah, yeah, but most of it's not important, <laughs> <laughs> right? But you have to read it once to figure that out. It's fair enough. Sure, it's, it does it's... look cool. I mean, I like it thematically and stylistically. Yeah, I just found myself sp- unable to actually play it. Yeah, for for all of this game's like um, weirdness and like obfuscations, the parts of the game that I were able to suss out were actually pretty traditional. It's like from from what I can tell, it is like a a exploration platformer with like a clicker attached to it. It's, like there's no clicking it's just it's just idling in the background well you have to click it you have to click or at least i clicked the stuff to buy it to buy the well, um to buy it yeah once you don't you don't like <laughs> wait so do you just would you describe any game in which you have to click on things to buy them as a clicker <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it's definitely in the genre that people call clicker uh, it... I mean, is it so? Was um, was uh, the paperclip game Universal Paperclips? Was that a clicker? I, I think people would call that a clicker. It starts out as one, anyway. Sure. This one is it, it even definitely... further removed from that because it's it, you're just buying things that automatically produce currency. There's no like you can't produce currency on your own by clicking on something. Which I think yeah, is, is 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 GTA Vice City a clicker because you buy the <laughs> the real estate and then they produce income passively? Uh, no, oh, because you, know, this... you have to run around and collect it manually. Okay, you you okay, also collect currency enough. manually in this game, though. Do you? But yeah, but you don't you have open... to. It just generates it and it goes right into your bank account. 
Okay. But when you open those boxes and currency spews everywhere and you go and collect it, like that's that's a yeah that's yeah a but like that that quickly gets eclipsed by the amount of money you make from your properties or whatever you want to call them yeah there's very little... what are what are they thematically <sighs> i couldn't figure that out it's like bitcoin mining but uh with the currency in the game the dd dd coin or whatever it's called um you can so the currency. The only thing that I ever found that it was useful for was for opening doors, uh, and you can often like meta- just, metaphorically. No, literally, literally opening doors. <laughs> there are these like locked passages that you can't get past without uh, sort of purchasing the purchasing the door opening. Um, like but, literal passages or literary passages. Oh Jesus. <laughs> This is uh, all I have. I forgot to play the game. All I can do is mess with you <laughs> as you try to describe it. Uh, so there, after exploring for a little while, I found sort of this hub area where there were a bunch of doors uh, that you could go through and then one sort of wall, locked sort of paywall. I guess they're paywalls because they're not really doors. Uh, um, that, oh, was, had, okay. that was asking for a million coins. Uh, and so it was going to take a little while for me to get my clicker my non-clicker accumulators to get up that point so i kept sort of exploring around and went to all the sublocations and then i finally had a million coins went through the door went through a door on the other side of it and then after like a few seconds it spit me back out on the back in the hub world and that million coin uh paywall was there again and i was like well fuck that and so i just started hitting other keys on the keyboard and it turns out there's like a i think it's g opens up this yeah. dialogue box that lets you oh wow. uh, you got really far without finding that i feel like it tells you about that straight up pretty early does it yeah well i, d- I didn't know about that until pretty late um huh. and so then that lets you tweak uh environmental variables sort of at random and then you can often just tra- like transmute the world until it's until you can just jump around the door the the paywall so you don't need <laughs> okay. to pay the, pay the coins anyway um so yeah, I, yeah the, I, the configuration that my game started out in was the background being pale gray and all the all the uh the the geography being slightly less pale gray yeah i think i think that's the so, default i think that's it's it's really yeah, hard to see so, uh, I had to, I had to, so I had to use that menu to, to change the, the colors of things until, until it was navigable. I see. Did you play, you did, did you play through most of the game with gray on gray scenery? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't not, touch the, bad. the corruption menu cause I thought it was cheat codes. Um, but yeah, I also uh, I was. It, it's not that hard to navigate. At least, at least I didn't have a problem at at probably. I'm guessing three times the uh, the visible size <laughs> the that you had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were. Um, there listeners were will of... note uh, with with uh, some consternation that we have not said the name of the game, oh, and uh, shit, that's yeah. in oh, part because right. I don't know it. <laughs> I don't think it's meant to be pronounced. It's yeah. It's Dios D E I O S two uh slash 
something. Uh, it's what like uh, Daidara or Di something. I think I let me see. I think I've got a window open here. Uh, yeah, D E I D I A. Daidia. Yeah. Um, right, sorry to interrupt you, Kevin. What, no, no, what, that's what that's next? a good a good point that we had just not even mentioned what the hell we were playing. Um, yeah, there was one point where I got to an area that had uh, basically invisible cliffs on either side that I couldn't see because it was incredibly faint gray over <laughs> the other otherwise gray stuff, and so that was a little annoying. But other other than that, I could I could usually tell what was going on. Um, there were like some little puzzly bits. There were like I don't know pillars, I guess, that you could rotate by hitting some little flywheel things. And so you had to figure out how to do that and then uh get past them. There were I I never actually found out what they were used for, but there were these balls or spheres i guess that you could sort of physics around the environment and i feel like they were some some way of getting them somewhere was supposed to open another wall but i could never get that to actually work um so it just seemed like there was a bunch of interactive bits in what was otherwise maybe sort of this funky demo scene style art game on the Mac, when you start this game, the game is the the like the the window of the game, you know, has like the title bar, and that title bar is like sort of marquee uh changing it, the the text, which also in the the Mac's sort of top menu bar that has yeah. the name of the application in it, and that was also changing, which I have yeah. never seen before which was kind of cool <laughs> i was really i was really impressed by that uh that little bit of like weird hackery that they must have done to get that to update in real time it was neat um yeah it, i mean i i guess i i could be wrong but it seemed like this is like a demo scene game right like people who are who have made cool you know computer graphics things or music things and then them making a game instead of just a, a intro to a game or something um i know nothing yeah, about I, the people who made this so i could be just surmising that wrong but that's that's what yeah it yeah i was gonna like. say so i like don't know who made this game art. but it does feel a little bit like um it's made by especially like given that either this game or the previous game in the series has the word ep in the title it does seem like this is supposed to be more of an interactive art piece than a game in the traditional sense right i think the first one i didn't play the first one but uh it's available on itch and it it very much seemed like a sort of interactive album um yeah. this is is a little bit more of a game it felt like there were some sort of goals I, I definitely felt like i was traversing a space and making a, a sort of progress i i don't know towards what uh, right but it i you know it, it held my interest for a good hour uh yeah i kind of got by the I end of it stuck in the geometry a bunch yeah but. by the like i also spent about an hour on it by that by the end of that hour i had forgotten 
that it started in such an interesting way. And now I kind of wish there was more of more of that. And maybe there is that we just didn't figure out how to get to. Sure. Yeah. Like for all I know, there's all sorts of other weird hidden stuff in this game. Uh, yeah. There's a gap in that very beginning section where it's uh, super transparent <laughs> levels that I guess it, it looks like little diskettes uh, stamped across the, the, the landscape like that was what you were tra- traveling on was these like for sort of faintly and faint impressions of diskettes um there was a gap between one you could like fall down and find this whole little a- other area um and so i was like oh well maybe there's just a bunch of secret stuff and it definitely felt like you could jump around and find weird hidden areas in the game like there was so there's clearly some like level design and some thought about it and like it is such an interesting take on a uh, sort of platformer game. Uh, I don't really know where it comes from. It just feels like it comes from such such a different headspace than uh, so many other sort of mainstream games. It's I, I'm yeah. really glad we played it actually. Yeah, I'll, it I'll definitely feels like outsider art to, to me. See what what that guy comes up with next? The, the I I was looking in the in the steam discussions to see if there's any plans to, to let it, to let the, the controls and, and screen resolution be changed. But it looks like the, like he's not planning on working any further on the project. He's moved on to other stuff. So we'll, we'll see what the next thing is. What you should do is you should leave a negative steam review about how the keys aren't (laughs) configurable and say, there's no excuse. It literally can be done in 15 minutes in unity. I've done it before. (laughs) <laughs> i am guessing this game was not made in unity but i don't know that for yeah. sure it was made in commodore 64 basic <laughs> and it's only a hundred bytes <laughs> uh well zach well uh you didn't play the assignment have you decided what our next assignment is yeah, the game that I'm not going to play next week is Blaster Master for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, I saw uh, somebody playing it uh, at ZapCon, and I thought, oh man, I have never gone back as an adult to to give Blaster Master a chance. So I'm going to do that. I think it's not great, but it seemed cool when I was a kid. I had it's, it it's on the NES as a kid. My, my um, I don't know, I guess my understanding of it is that it's, it's it's a little it's like it's rough around the edges but it's it's well loved as like a cult classic kind of thing and it was well, one, of we the, shall one see. of the first one of the first sort of free roaming metroidvania kind of deals yeah the thing that i remember that being like the, the the thing that i remember being out of place with that design is that uh you get three lives yeah which is a really weird choice for uh I don't think it has save state. It's saving either. I think it maybe there's a password system, but it seems like a really weird choice for passwords. like a, an ostensibly Zelda-like game. I'm really looking forward to playing it with save states because I remember yeah. it being <laughs> very, very difficult uh, on the original Nintendo, and uh, the idea of being able to mitigate that a bunch of that with save states, I think, is going to be great. Yeah, that seems like the way to I do it. The the new one that they did on switch is pretty good like master blaster zero i think they called it is that on switch kind of a remake and kind of i think so uh yeah i think that's right i think i think that's a switch one not a 3ds one cool but anyway 
Oh, this would have been better for the beginning of the show, uh, but uh, I had a question for you, Jim. Hmm. Does Lord of the Rings have realms? <laughs> I So, the fact that it's called Middle-Earth implies that there are like there's at least an earth to the left and an earth to the right <laughs> not or, not or does it describe below right i don't mean does it describe realms because obviously it does right but do, is a description of a realm a realm uh yeah. is i think the fundamental question it like it world building can infect you and and get into your head and like it do- I would say that it does not have realms for me, but that it might for someone who really likes that series. Yeah. Did you That's actually modern. go out and buy a PS4 to play God of War? Jeff? No, I already had a PS4, um, and I have oh, not did- bought God of War. <laughs> okay. But I might. I don't know. It's I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like, I, I feel like that game is... That series is like the most toxic masculinity of a, a, a genre, like of the genre being video games that is kind of right already. Um, that's that's why I was so. I guess I was really surprised about how just just universally praised it was, given my understanding of sort of the earlier titles in the series so maybe it steps away from that somehow yeah i i was really cynical about that when i read you know oh it it confronts its own violent past like which is just like it's just like taking the same thing you've been doing for 20 years and putting a this is bad label on it uh which (laughs) (laughs) doesn't actually fix anything um but the fact that it is so universally beloved and maybe like, maybe that's, maybe that is just me being cynical. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about it just, just because it's gotten such incredible uh, praise. Yeah. All right. You sold me. I'm going to, I'm going to play it. Cool. (laughs) Well, you'll be able to talk about it on a podcast. That's right. Yeah. That's true. What was that riff? Did you play Bloodborne yet? Oh yeah, I loved Bloodborne. Okay, good. Just checking because I was gonna say if you if you have a <laughs> PS4 and are gonna play God of War before Bloodborne, then something's <laughs> wrong. Yeah, and and they're even kind of the same game. Did you play Horizon Zero Dawn? Ah, uh, yeah, I've I've talked. So I, I'm. This is heartening to me that I'm not the only one. This is happening to. I've talked about both Bloodborne and Horizon Zero Dawn on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm apparently not the only one that doesn't remember anything. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I don't no. think... I, a previous episode... Anything that happened uh, earlier than 15 minutes ago, I've already forgotten. So Okay. Good, good to know. Good to know. Don't trust this man. <laughs> uh, remember... Remember Sammy Jenkins? <laughs> he is the one. Uh, Kill him. <laughs> uh, the cake is a lie. <laughs> I don't remember How any of that guy's other cake tattoos. is a lie tattoos. Do you think are out there? I don't know. Oh, oh that's bad. Oh, that's oh. that would be. Oh man, what a bad tattoo! 
<laughs> like I'm just Somebody, imagining man. like you get that in the moment when it's hilarious. Like you are the next day after playing that game. And then like six months later, that's a regret. What about a man got the West of Loathing guy tattooed on his chest and sent yeah. us a picture. Oh, but that one's awesome wow. though. That's never going to get old. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about a how about a tattoo of Superintendent Chalmers holding a tray of hamburgers, saying in a in a word balloon, "The cake is a lie." Oh, God. <laughs> huh. That's that's a little bit. You, like once both of those things are nonsense in terms of the current position of culture, it's like it, Thursday. It will seem like <laughs> man that I like steamed hams had or maybe has way more lin- longevity than I was expecting. <laughs> Yeah, like steam, obviously, lo- steamed ham is, is actually really good. That was just the first one I could think of to to, uh, to put together with it. God, you know what I've been loving, continuing to see more and more of is uh, there was like a video that Rihanna posted that was her like putting some lotion on her shoulder and then rubbing yeah. it with a brush and making her shoulder all shiny, and then just all these black dudes making parody videos of that just by putting random liquids on their arm and then rubbing it around with random other objects. Like there's one where it's just like a guy squirted some hot sauce on his shoulder and then rubbed a chicken wing on it and then ate the chicken wing. It's like it's so good. I haven't run into that at all. Wow. I, I mean, I mostly see yeah, them on I've Reddit. Seen it, so it's yeah, I've only seen it once as like a compilation of a few good ones. Okay, yeah, you should go in the show notes. But I guess my point about the the Super Nintendo Chalmers with the plate of hamburgers and the cake is a lie is that once both of those things are nonsense, does the work then become about? nonsense or is it still is it Mm. as dated as either one of those things would be if they were not connected do you have to then get a a frame tattoo where it's a it's it's like bart making a painting of this happening or (laughs) Or pikachu pikachu making a painting of it yeah oh that was a great one that that tattoo fix the The, tattoo cover up uh, yeah yeah there's like does so like does two dumb things make it twice as dumb or like is the dumbness multiplied or does it just become a postmodern masterpiece <laughs> or, or think, are those things negative around. so when you multiply yeah. them they become, they become positive, positive if you have an yeah. even number of them <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man uh 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 Justin in the in the Slack posted a link to the Dear Sister Saturday Night Live digital short and watch oh, that yeah. again and it's so good. <laughs> that that will never get old. She get a tattoo of that somehow. Like somehow. Yeah. A tattoo. Okay, a tattoo of a gun and underneath the skin where the trigger is you get one of those things that's in like a greeting card so that it plays a song when you open it and when you press the trigger on the gun that song plays you know it uh, okay 
I have no idea what I would do with this object once I built it, but I think that it would probably not be that hard to buy a toy gun and rig it up so whenever you press the trigger, it plays a gunshot sound followed by that song. <laughs> oh, that would probably be trivial with like one of the little uh, mini Arduinos or something like that. Yeah. That is a that is what a product do? with a very specific audience, but those people Yeah, what do you do it. with it once you've yeah, they would, right? Sure, but how would you get it? What do you do with anything you make? It's 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 an object that you have. That's what you do with it. <laughs> well, right. But I mean, if you make a picture frame, you put a picture in it, and then it becomes a wall art. You know, like this is just like, why do you have a gun? Like, no, uh, try try it. Uh, try okay. it. Yeah, just shoot me with it. <laughs> If the people who would appreciate it would appreciate it so much, though. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess what you do with it is, you, uh, you, you make a YouTube video. You make two YouTube videos, one of demonstrating it, and then a second video of the build, and you get a million views, and that's okay. It. Yeah, I guess I need to. Maybe I'll get a video camera and film the film the build, and then hope that I can monetize the video for enough money to pay for the parts and the video camera. <laughs> yeah, a million wouldn't do it, probably. Or I could just do it in the background while you guys were eating soup. <laughs> <laughs> Those don't get a million views. Well, but if you used the gun as part of one of the soup videos, oh yeah. Yeah, then you can write it off your soup taxes. Right. Ah, gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 328 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we record another one real soon. And we'll be back in San Francisco, at least. Although, uh... Oh, you know what else we didn't talk about was the news. Oh, yeah. Um, that we've known <laughs> for, for months. Uh, uh, oh, right. <laughs> um... So yeah, I assume uh, you guys were avoiding it. To us. Well, we no. Uh, we, so you are the only person in my immediate circle who is as cynical about that acquisition as I am. <laughs> um, there's a and, there's a lot of know, cynicism out there about whether uh, whether the in the Valley of the Gods will come out. Yeah, and I I don't. I don't have the confidence that they have, but them having confidence that it will happen is obviously way more important than me or Jim having that confidence. Um, I was really surprised by how well the internet at large is taking the news. And I think, uh, I don't know. It's should, weird. I Should we be explicit about it since, since it's possible that someone is listening to this and not knowing what we're talking about? I d oh, I did. I, I mean, I said Campo Santo was acquired by Valve, basically. So okay. their, their their next game that is already announced uh, is going to come out as a Valve game. Uh, they've retained all the rights to Firewatch. They got a they got the deal that they wanted, um, and yeah. you know the, it's 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 really good for them. Basically, everyone there wanted and their families wanted to get out of San Francisco, which is also you know that worked out pretty well. Um, we lost our office is the is the main uh, downside for us and our studio. So uh, things are going to be goofy for a while uh, until we can uh, 
until we can get a get a space figured out. Are there going to be a um, bunch of birds chirping in the back of this back of this episode as well? In this one, yeah. Um, okay. People, people seem to like that. I'm. It, okay. it, it's. I would not have chosen to do it outside this week because it is much hotter than it was last week. Um, but 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 you just uh, want to deliver that good bird content. Yeah, I want the I want people to get the bird content. Um, so yeah, I am. Uh, I'm sad. I'm sad that so many of my friends are moving out of town, and uh, but I'm you know I'm happy for them because uh, they're all gonna have a bunch of money. And we now have a way of going uh, to Valve and hanging out there. So that'll hanging be out, fun. We can tell. We can using a desk for a week or something. Yeah, we can leak all the secrets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How many different AAA game studios can we get thrown out of? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we didn't get thrown out of Blizzard. We were just castigated. Yeah, we just got we just got our buddy Jason in trouble. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day for some reason. I was thinking about Diablo 3 and how they how much of that schedule that we weren't supposed to see was about PVP balance and how hmm. Diablo 3 just never had any PVP. Like they just canned hmm. a third of their plan for that and it was I forget what game I was thinking about where that reminded me of that, where it's like that problem that MMOs had where they would like nerf skills because they were broken in PVP, but that would just make the single player experience worse. I mean, obviously mm. there's no single player experience, but like it would make the player versus environment experience yeah. worse for reasons That's that I didn't care about at all. That I and a lot of other people have with the Dark Souls games is because the the way the weapons are all balanced to be comparative to each other so that there isn't one single weapon that everybody is using in PvP means that gaining finding a new weapon in PvE isn't it's never an upgrade really. It's it's right. It's always like, oh here's something I don't know how to use. Is, yeah. Right. It's like it's like slightly worse than another thing. Well, yeah, that sucks when when developers do that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It, I think a lot of people like that element of Dark Souls, but it, but it's um, it, it in World of Warcraft was where it always happened. It's like, man, why are you breaking this thing that I do care about for the sake of this thing that I don't care about? And it's yeah. uh, I'm happy that, I mean, Diablo three though. It seems like everything was kind of built with that in mind, and so it's like not. I don't know. I don't like the way the skills work in Diablo three. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Doesn't have builds, but it does have realms. <laughs> Procedurally generated realms. Anyway, gentlemen, I've continued to have uh, uh, fun recording episode number 328 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do another one next week, and I think we will. We'll be back uh, safe and sound in San Francisco. And uh, listeners, I hope you'll join us. And if you do, I hope you're safe and sound in San Francisco or wherever you live. Cockaboo-boo-balaya. <laughs> Good night, have a great week, everybody. Time for emails. <laughs>